everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me on this, we hope, joyous Thursday, Amy Thomason. Amy, how are you doing today? Oh, I feel so American. Yes. Elections are coming up, and I can't wait to exercise my right to vote. Yes. Now, folks, if we sound optimistic, it's because we are actually recording this episode before the 2018 midterm elections as a sort of inspiration we decided this week's film mr smith goes to washington would be very perfect to remind ourselves exactly what this whole america thing is about however we don't know who won yet so we ask that uh you know with no spoilers uh please this is in the past, and so if we say things or predict things that did not come to uh, fruition, we apologize. We don't know the future. If we did, we'd be working for 538 and making them actually better than they, they have been in the past. But alas, we aren't. We are just here to talk about, for your reconsideration, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, directed by Frank Capra, written by Sidney Buckman, uh, based upon a unpublished story by Louis R. Foster called The Gentleman from Montana, starring the one and only greatest man in America, Mr. James Stewart, Dazzling Gene Arthur, Claude Rains, Edward Arnold, Thomas Mitchell, Harry Carey, and Guy Kibbe. Um, what, Amy, honestly, what is your, what is your history with this film? I have only seen this one other time. I've only seen it in its entirety one in other its time? Entirety okay. one time. I've seen... <laughs> it's sad, but when I think about the filibuster scene, I think about when the Simpsons parried it. Okay. Do you remember that? I do, I do when remember Homer that. Simpson <laughs> tells Mel Gibson, who's doing a remake of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and he's like, no, we need to change the ending and make it violent, and like <laughs> they do. and It's terrible, but it really makes me laugh because it's so funny but oh yeah it's literally impossible to watch this movie and not fall desperately in love with james stewart because after you watch the movie if you're like me you go online and you research his life and then you're like he was the perfect man that's it like james End stewart he kind of was mr smith in a lot of ways uh for those you Greatest don't know man who ever yeah just a quick primer on uh, who jimmy stewart was and why Look, I am not one for I do not want to vote for any more celebrities for high office, but if James Stewart were to come back and run for president and not some like city council position work his way up, I would totally do that because dude was he was the first Hollywood star to sign up for World War II and he be- retired in the 50s as a brigadier general in I believe the Air Force, was it? Which uh he's and he 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 talked the talk and he walked the walk, man. He's uh... and at the height of his career, it wasn't like he was going through a lull because by then he'd already been in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and you can't take it with you. Yeah, yeah so many, so many things. And you know, he still had, and he obviously had uh, it. Um, uh, what's one? The Christmas one. Why am I blanking on this? Why am I oh, blanking? Oh, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, it's a wonderful life coming up in a couple of years. He's like. And the Philadelphia story coming out a year after this, which he won the Academy Award for. Which, which he did. So, 
the man, the man, like they were made of sterner stuff back then. I don't know. There's something about like all of these guys. Like uh, he, he, James Stewart. He was uh, he was in charge of a unit that included Walter Matthau. Something what? about yeah, something about these guys where they're just like, yeah, I'm an actor, but I'm also gonna go fly planes for my country or jump in the front Times lines. Times were also different. Times, Times were, were also, also different. different. Yes, yes, indeed. But Germany uh, was a very clear cut. They are Nazis. We are fighting to beat them. That's it. That was we're fighting Japan. Clear cut reasons to fight. Clear objective and clear enemy. Oh, the simple times of the 1940s. I have seen this movie in its entirety once before. Uh, so this is like basically number two for me. But obviously, it's one of those films that you the, you just see moments of it throughout your life. You know it even if you haven't seen it. It's Jimmy Stewart. It's at, it's him pleading his heart out at the filibuster at the end of at the end of the movie. It's you can't not grow up knowing what this movie is. It's like, like you said, you referenced The Simpsons. It's been parodied so often in popular mm-hmm. culture over the last 80, 80 years or so that it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a part of us. It's a part of certainly the American notion of who we are. I think this is a film that we all can strive for and boy howdy do we come up short but it's nice to watch this and go you know we can be better we can ascribe to the better angels of our nature i watched this during the uh first round of the senate judiciary hearings on brett kavanaugh and why would you do that to yourself no, no. Well, I know. I, I mean, I, no. I was no. I was. Wa- I was watching. I had the day. I had the, had the time. I was just. Wa- I was watching this, and occasionally, I would get a update about some whatever bullshit was was going on then, and just like I need to, like All right, Jimmy Stewart, take me home, take me home. Just tell me, tell me what's supposed to be. And I just felt all warm and cozy on the on the inside. But that's what this movie His does. Voice. <laughs> His voice. Has that effect on me. His voice has that effect on me. He's so soothing and earnest and. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's impossible to, not to watch this movie and just be like, marry me. Indeed, indeed. But uh, co-star Gene Arthur was not thrilled with uh, having to work with James Stewart again. They worked, uh, I believe, on You Can't Take It With You. Yeah, what's her deal? I don't know, but she wanted, uh, was it Gary Cooper or, no, or, or Cary yeah, Grant? Yeah, because it was going to be, they were going to use him because he was in Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Yeah. And, and going to make this like a sequel or whatever, Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington. Yeah, so, so some sort of like spiritual successor because Gene Arthur wanted somebody who was a little more masculine than Jimmy Stewart. I'm like, she's like, insane. lady, uh-uh, I like you, but mm, no. And just imagine, like, this is one of those perfect roles, perfect actors it's like very rarely does like it, it match up like you can only have jimmy stewart in this movie i can't in can't imagine big roles you really can only have him and i get i get but gary cooper's more of the quiet quiet kind of yeah. guy and jimmy stewart's more of the like i'm gonna fight and i'm gonna yeah, verbally he, take you down jimmy stewart it's He's a scrapper. Washington or Mr. Potter or yeah, oh. but but he does. It's that it's the earnestness. It's Stewart's earnestness that is sold in this movie and and 
most of his other films as well. Uh, is, he's Cooper just... couldn't have pulled off the night the naivete so much. No, Cooper's more no. like I like a Clint Eastwood. Like I've seen the world. I know everything sucks. Cooper could but have I'm been. I'm just gonna keep going. Yeah, Cooper could have been Claude Rains. Like he could. I could. I could, I could see him being the. I have like I am in. I'm part of the system. I am this. I once had ideals, but now I have. I've had to. Henry wear Fonda them away. Also, oh, yeah, Henry possibly because he's got the integrity and the those eyes. Quite true. Quite true. But we're not here to fantasy cast a movie that is 80 years old. <laughs> that's already perfect. That's already very very good. Uh, we are, but we are here to discuss the Academy Awards of that year in particular. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna hint at them because we can't really talk about them in earnest just yet. Gonna, maybe we might cover at least one or two other. Movies maybe before. I don't know. It, we'll we'll see. There were there were you know there was a film or two that came out in 1939, and we're gonna talk about them right after this. Well, I'm not licked, and I'm gonna stay right here and fight for this lost cause. Somebody will listen to me. Somebody will. I believe the senator has yielded the floor. <laughs> Yield this, Senator Payne. <laughs> I move we impose some serious term limits. I second that motion with a vengeance. All in favor? Say die. Mr. Smith, this is highly unorthodox. I'm the President of the United States, and I demand to know what's going on here. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Pretty cool, huh? Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was nominated for a total of 11 Academy Awards at the 12th annual show held on February 29th, 1940. It walked away with one, Best Writing Original Story. Now you'll say, but wait, wasn't it based on a story? Yes, but that story was never published. So under the rules at the time, and even now currently, it was able to get in under the original moniker as well. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture, hence for your reconsideration. What else was it nominated? Do not, do not tell us what it lost to just yet. We'll get to that. I won't. I won't give names. I'll just say literally what it was directed for. Uh, best director for mm -hmm. one Mr. Frank Capra. Best actor for Mr. Jimmy Stewart. Best supporting actor Harry Carey. Who was he in the movie? I don't. Remember. He was the uh, president of the Senate. Oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Out of everybody to nominate, he. Yeah, it's very odd. Very odd. Uh, best supporting actor for Claude Rains. Best writing screenplay. Yeah, this is this is a weird thing. I'm not entirely sure uh, how this works. It's it's. I don't. 
I don't quite understand how that works. It's honestly, it sounds like best record and best song. They're two. They're two separate things, but really, aren't they the same? Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Best art direction, best film editing, best scoring, original music, and best sound recording. Yeah. That is a solid list of nominations there. Don't agree well with deserved. well deserved. Don't agree with Harry Carey. However, the person I would have nominated uh, is Thomas Mitchell, who would oh. actually win uh, for his role in Stagecoach because he uh, he was he was great. He was the, the the drunken journalist who has a thing for Gene Arthur. He's he's fabulous. However, and you go wait, Mister Smith goes to Washington. Indelible American classic did not win how the best. Could like it how could because folks, there was another movie that came out, and there were two other movies that came out in 1939, but one other movie in particular that came out in 1939 that is somehow even more memorable. And I'm gonna let Amy take this away with her southern accent. Gone with the wind. Gone with the Wind, the movie to end all movies. The movies that will probably require two separate episodes to discuss when we do it. Still the highest grossing movie ever made, adjusted for inflation. That really the first bl- and really the first blockbuster. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, it was the, I would say, the definition of epic Academy Award bait as it were it just has everything it has it has it all it has it all folks it's uh it's got Vivian Lee it's got Clark Gable it's got Victor Fle- it's got Victor Fleming who directed not only Gone with the Wind this year but also The Wizard of Oz like that's yeah. the that's one of the greatest one-two punches of all time I I, 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 I if I do say so myself so yeah uh, I mean obviously it's the greatest year of movie history. That's what everyone calls it. It's like the year that like every single movie that came out was awesome. Pretty much. It's... The original uh, Di- Walt Disney's first like full-length feature film, Snow White, also came out that year. It's madness. And we will obviously talk more about that in the coming uh, weeks and months and years. Well, we, I think we have... Put a pin a in co- that because I got a lot. Yeah, we're gonna we got a lot lots to say. Maybe <laughs> uh, I believe we decided on uh, Confederate Remembrance Day, which is apparently a real holiday. We will talk about. Oh, it is. Gone with the wind, because yes, it is. We are, we are, we are like that. We have to, you know, it's fine, it's fine. But uh, yes, Thomas Mitchell would. Uh, oh, Thomas Mitchell was also having a great year. He would appear in Stagecoach for what you want. Stagecoach, great movie by the way, and of course great he also movie. he was also in Gone with the Wind. So. You know, take that, Michael Stuhlbarg. What what have you got? What three movies? Oh, you were in three movies last year that were nominated for Best Picture? I don't think those are going to survive as long as these movies have. So. And Thomas Mitchell is another one of those. He definitely played a type, but he yep. played it to perfection. You know what? And back in the, back in the studio days, that was, the, that was what you had. That is absolutely what you had. And, you know, you, you had a thing, and you, and you did it. And that's cool. It's uh, and that's fine. <sighs> I can't really argue with a lot of the uh, with with the losses. It's it's a shame that Mr. Smith only took home one award, but one yeah, that I, mean, I would change. Okay, what's that? One that I would change is Stewart for Best Actor over Robert Donut Donut. Yeah, or, uh, good, goodbye, or, Mr. Chips. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Okay. 
True, I've never seen Goodbye Mr. Chips. However, the two most two of the most iconic roles in film history, Jimmy Stewart and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and Clark Gable as Rhett Butler. Are you kidding me? They lost to Goodbye Mr. Chips. Yeah, it's uh, that is insanity. That is insanity. Yeah. And if I wouldn't give it, and if Stewart didn't win, it should have been because he lost to Clark Gable. If Clark Gable didn't win, it should have been because he lost to Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. And if not, I would take away Stewart's win for the Philadelphia story the following year, and I would give it to one Mr. Henry Fonda for the Grapes of Wrath. Thank you. <laughs> and and scene. Hell of a hell of a year for Best Actor. Let's see. Of uh, Robert Robert Donat, nobody remembers, but the other names: Gable, Stewart, Mickey Rooney, nominated, and uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier for his uh, turn as Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights. Uh, the, the worst book ever. The worst book ever, and the reason why everybody thinks it's a great love story when it is in fact not, because people only see the movie, they don't read the book. And the book is a terrible love story. It's a great. It's a great. It's a great revenge story. It's a, it's a great a ter- gothic story of revenge. It's yeah. not a, it's there's a no terrible love story, and I think about that's what, awful people. Yeah, doing awful to things all to one of terrible things that happen to them. Pretty much, I love slagging on that book. I just really do. It's well written, sure, but anyway, anyways, well yes, anyways, uh, we will have more on the twelfth annual Academy Awards. Later with our episode on Gone with the Wind, possibly Stagecoach, Coach, The Wizard of Oz, etc. Lots of other movies to talk about. We're going to put a pin in that right now, as Amy says, and we're going to take a break and discuss Mr. Smith. I wish to add my distinguished colleague, has he one scrap of evidence to add now to the defense he did not give and could not give at that same hearing? I have no defense against Ford's papers. Committee ruled otherwise. The gentleman stands guilty as charged. And I believe I speak for every member. When I say that no one cares to hear what a man of his condemned character has to say about any section of any legislation before this house. Mr. President, I stand guilty as framed because section 40 is graft. And I was ready to say so. I was ready to tell you that a certain man in my state, a Mr. James Taylor, wanted to put through this dam for his own profit. A man who controls a political machine and controls everything else worth controlling in my state. Yes, and a man even powerful enough to control congressmen, and I saw three of them in his room the day I went up to see him. And the senator yield. No, sir, I will not yield. And this same man, Mr. James Taylor, came down here and offered me a seat in this Senate for the next 20 years if I voted for a dam that he knew and I knew was a fraud. But if I dared to open my mouth against that dam, He promised to break me in two. All right, I got up here and I started to open my mouth and the long and powerful arm of Mr. James Taylor reached into this sacred chamber and grabbed me by the scruff of the neck. President, a point of order. Mr. President. Senator Payne will state it. It was I who rose in this chamber to accuse him. He's saying that I was carrying out criminal orders on falsified evidence. No, Mr. President. He has imputed to me conduct unworthy of Senator, and I demand that he be made to yield the floor. Mr. President, I did not say that Senator Payne was one of the congressmen in that room. I was in that room. Order, gentlemen. I accuse this man by his tone, by his careful denials, he is deliberately trying to plant damaging impressions of my conduct. I'll tell you why we were in that room. Because Mr. Taylor, a respected citizen of our state had brought with him the evidence against this man, and we were urging him to resign. Why? 
to avoid bringing disgrace upon a clean and honorable state, but he refused. Mr. President, have I lived? There was only one answer to a man like him, the truth. A naive man is appointed to fill a vacancy in the U.S. Senate. Mayhem ensues. <laughs> Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Scene. I, I haven't seen the film in a while. I forgot how long it takes to see Mr. Smith, to actually meet Jimmy Stewart. Yes. How do, yeah, how do you how do you like that approach? Having uh seeing um uh the the governor and Taylor talk talk about what they're going to basically laying out the plot of the movie, not meeting Smith until until much later, like I think about twenty minutes into the movie, so we only hear about them. How do you how do you like that? How do you like hearing about a character before seeing them? I always like it. I think it builds anticipation, especially if it's a big star like Jimmy Stewart, kind of like in Psycho when you know Anthony Perkins is in it. Although Anthony Perkins in 1960 wasn't exactly what Jimmy Stewart was in the 30s and 40s. But it's still, you know, it's about this guy who's psycho. So you're kind of waiting, like, when's the psycho going to come? That twist, it's actually Janet Leigh's the psycho. Oh, my God. It is. But if you... If it's someone really big, sometimes as an audience member, you can kind of get impatient. Like, when are we going to see this guy? Kind of like how long it takes to meet uh, Nicole Kidman's character in Moulin Rouge. Oh, yeah. Because she's not really at the beginning. It kind of takes a while for that story to get going, too. And then, of course, she comes down on her swing, and she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's something. Something. uh, It's a good dramatic tact to... Exactly. It's for it's for anticipation building, and it really works here because the I think it's the Boy Rangers. It's it's uh, oh. it's, it's the governor's kids who are so yes. enthusiastic about him. And like I just I just love those I love those kids. They're so like Daddy, Daddy, don't get Hill, don't get this this other guy. Get Mr. Smith. He's he's just the, the greatest best. guy ever. He's the greatest guy ever. Uh, I. And when it does come, and when you finally meet Smith, he's at the it's at the banquet. You don't. It's 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 so. It feels like such a thing we don't see anymore nowadays. Mm-hmm. In a as a way, it's like no, we're gonna. It's, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. We're gonna meet Mr. Smith. Like there's gonna be like a quick a quick scene about how we need to fill a vacancy of like and like Jimmy Stewart is reading the paper about how that happens, and we go through his life and day. But, or you see him doing something amazing, and then they need to fill a vacancy, and you're like, "Oh, that guy, that guy from the beginning of the movie. Yeah, they should bring a, him in." Which it is a fine way of doing things, certainly. But this is, it feels, it does feel very classic film because oh, okay, we can't show them doing all the cool, cool things because of time and budget and scheduling and whatnot. And so there's a lot of uh, telling, but not showing. But I think that works very well in a movie where reputation and your ability to impress upon others is paramount to the story. That you know he has influenced all of these kids, and to and he, and that influence later affects the uh, the plot moving forward. And the um, movie is all about reputation and what people say about you and what's presented versus what is reality. Exactly. It's it's uh, it's it's really nice and Capra he and also Capra is never just waiting to get to see Stuart. The whole the whole bit with Taylor and the governor is so 
so it's so well done. It's kind of funny, and you really hate uh, you really hate Taylor in there, but uh, you also you're like, oh, I like I I I get it that, and they and they lay out everything you need to know about about the dam scheme. They need to get a schmuck in the in, in to fill the the Senate seat to make sure that the this, this land scheme sort of goes through and you go, Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, damn skiing in, in movies. That's so wonderfully 1930s. I just can't, like, I can't even with how quaint this all feels. <laughs> but, uh, but then after, after they establish that we can, we can check back in on that through the eyes of Jimmy Stewart, because now we know, we know things that he doesn't. And so we get to see him go go from naive uh ah shucks jimmy stewart to oh. raging and filibuster in mr smith which is uh with, the, of, with his hair all crazy uh, hair all crazy and he probably smells terrible it's just it's, it's and yet he's so sexy and yet he's so sexy yeah well i mean but you know as a woman I, i'll let you know he's sexy yeah when skin. when you got a you got a fine looking man the, like jimmy stewart the ties all loose yeah, yeah railing oh. about you know the Constitution and and how we're supposed to be better. Like yeah, I'm like I'm. A, Nothing I'm, is sexier than Jimmy Stewart in that scene. At that at that point, the and, loose tie. Oh. Yeah, mm. and uh, to uh, you know to to counteract um, Miss Jean Arthur, who did not want Jimmy Stewart here. She's insane. I, oh, it's just uh, and yet they have amazing chemistry together. Oh, yeah. Well, they they are professionals. They uh, were. The the it day. really says a lot though, because really their chemistry is like. It's top yeah, it's it's top. What I like about that, and you know, this is not the point I was going to make. What I like about them is that they don't become a real thing in the movie. They're yeah. more comrades in arms. Uh, the it's a movie about the spectrum of jadedness and optimism one needs to survive in the Senate. You have Gene Arthur here, who's this bitter and cynical. Washington hack who's been working for working for Claude Rains for years, worked for Foley beforehand before he died, and then you got Jimmy Stewart who comes in. Like the only thing, the only thing Jimmy Stewart's done is he's read the Gettysburg Address and he uh, knows the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. That's like he thinks that's all you need, <laughs> and the rest will work itself out. And it's the coming together of these two minds and the push and pull, the back and forth between between them that uh really really makes the movie because it's not just about jimmy stewart uh his journey from you know, small town uh kid to united states center it's really about saunders about gene arthur's character from her finding she's rediscovering the reason she got into this game in the first place and i love and that. she admires him and she yeah. respects him and that's what's so wonderful about it is because when she's watching him filibuster and she's just like, ah, yeah, <laughs> she's every woman in America. It's just, it's just the best feeling. It's just the best feeling. Um, but I do say that uh, my original point was Gene Arthur. Uh, I know Gary Cooper would have been, Gary Cooper would have been fine in this, but the, the bumbling Jimmy Stewart, I think really at the beginning really helps sell the, Hell hath no fury, Jimmy Stewart of the end. Like you, like you need that transformation. You need a guy who can be like so excited and wide-eyed and, and, and happy to be in Washington, which nobody wants. 
Nobody wants to be in Washington in July. It's worst fucking day. It's it's so it's so miserable to be anywhere in Washington in the summer months. And yet you speak from experience. I'm I do, guessing. I do. I I, I lived there for a couple of months and uh, many years ago. It was just the weather was dreadful. I didn't do well in humidity. Anyways. <laughs> Um, so you're not going to be joining me in South Carolina anytime soon. Uh, I mean, I might come and visit, but you know, hey. like, do we have to go out? Do we have to go outside to do things? Because I really don't want to go outside to do things. We're excited this week that it's cold enough that the gnats and the mosquitoes have finally gone away. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But along this line, along the spectrum of of cynicism and optimism, is the extremely talented and great Claude Rains as Senator Joseph Payne. They did a good job making him look old. I know that they sounds really like a very did. trite comment to make, but I was like, damn, he looks old. Yeah. Um, and, and he hadn't even made Casablanca yet. Hadn't even made Casablanca. It was Claude Rains. Uh, not always a bridesmaid, never a bride. He's nominated. Not... And not nearly as often as he should have been for uh, several Academy Awards. Never won. Absurd. Absurd. And, and lots of Academy Award-winning movies, though. Oh yes, oh yes. This is this being one of them. It did win one after all. Uh, what do you what do you what do you make of uh, Joseph Payne and his and his deal, his character? <clears throat> Here's what I like about him. He's awful but he knows he's awful. Yes, that's what He I'm hasn't doing. totally sold his soul to the point that he sleeps well at night. And the one scene that really shows that well is when, after he's made those stupid accusations and they bring, I'm not remembering it as accurately as I wish I did. They bring Stewart in and they say whatever they say about him and Claude Rains can't even look at him. Yeah. And it's like, thank you. Thank you for having enough decency to look like you feel ashamed and to not even be able to look him in the eye. Yeah. Because there's a lot of politicians I can name that I'm not going to. Turtle face? That have totally sold their souls and they're like, I don't even give a shit. Turtle face. We're just, we'll, yes. call, we'll, call, we'll call him turtle face. Yeah. That, he's one yeah, of yeah, the yeah, ones. But, but he's, the, he's, the, he's the worst one. He's the worst one. But... Th- Pain is pain is great for that reason, uh, and to see him, to see the cracks in his armor, you know, uh, to watch Smith slowly chip away at Pain's, like you know, his his like I've been in the been in the politics for twenty thirty years, son. I know I I know what it is to 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 get the hint that I think I think Pain was once like Jefferson Smith, like I like I would like. He's got a fascinating story. He used to know him, James Stewart's dad. They were, they, they yeah, were and that's and what I, makes it even more heartbreaking. Nowadays, they wouldn't care. No. Be like, screw you. Yeah, like, oh, your dad was I a... Give, yeah. That was a terrible... Whatever. Claude Rains plays it. He's a he's a bad guy, but he knows the real bad guy is Edward Arnold as Jim Taylor, who we saw, who, who also played the bad guy, and you can't take it with you. He, he just has that face. You just go, oh, you're the... That you're the corrupt business guy, but Claude Rains he knows he's knows he's a stooge, but he knows that he once was something more. And that conflict you see inside of him, 
it definitely earned him the Academy Award nomination for sure. Yeah, like, and he sure. didn't play him too much of a sap though either, and I liked that. Yeah. That he wasn't too like, oh, what have I done? And but well, until the end. But yeah, but it's but all at that point, internalized. But when he does have that outpouring of emotion, it's very well earned, and you can definitely see it building the entire movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, so a lot of a lot of a lot of films they would just focus on the character development of this one of this one person of Jefferson Smith because the titular character you have Jimmy Stewart. He has to go from. What more do you battle. need? Yeah. What What more do you need? It, it would be him battling against these other forces: the the Saunders, the Joseph Paynes of the of the world, the Jim Taylors, all of these guys. But to have to have him not only battle against them, but to bring his uh, the people who don't believe in him to the other side, to his way of thinking, to get them to feel remorse, to get Joseph Payne to feel remorse about uh, the. The, the terrible things he's done to Smith about how this is all a damn scheme, how it's all Taylor's fault is uh, that's that to me is more powerful than the filibuster scene, which of course is still so powerful and, 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 I, and I love it. And uh, honestly, I think uh, we, we lost something when the filibuster was neutered and you could just say, you basically just like hit, hit a button and say, I'm going to filibuster this and you don't actually have to, stand up for in a definite period of time. You can't sit down. You can't go to the bathroom. You can, you know, see the floor for questioning. But nowadays, the, the filibuster is kind of, it's kind of lame. And you can think, I don't but know who there was think. a woman who did it in Texas. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? That, that, that was great. But that, but that was like, that was in the, that was in Texas. That wasn't, that wasn't the, the floor of the U S Senate because I'm sure turtle face would, not if you not, want not a quick up. if you want a quick history lesson, the longest filibuster in history was given by one Senator Strom Thurmond of South Carolina. That's like his claim to fame, by the way. Is that? Do you know what he was filibustering? This is so awful. Civil Rights Act. Yep. Longest filibuster in history. <sighs> well, okay. That's <laughs> just that's as it. we're talking about filibusters. Yeah. 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 All right. There's something, there's something odd about the filibuster. I noticed is, um, I have the sense of timing in the filibuster of how the timeline works out is to me preposterous. I can believe a lot of things. <laughs> I certainly can, but the way like maybe I just don't maybe just people were really bored and tuned in in the forties and I just they need something to do. But the way Smith Smith only talks for I think it was twenty some odd hours. I think it was about a day. Mm-hmm. And yet back home in unnamed state in the American West, there are riots. There are multiple editions of the newspaper coming out. There are protests and counter protests there are kids getting run over by taylor's and this was not with twitter which nowadays if you had twitter and all that stuff and that stuff was all live yeah that would make more sense yeah it would make more sense and like smith is being act he's being actively blocked in his home state by the jim taylor machine so that nobody gets the information down. it's 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 maddening and i know all it is, takes is boy scouts though all it all it takes is the is the boy rangers and i do love the boy rangers because not only are they uh 
woefully just breaking child labor laws. Like, oh, holy God, they feel like they should not be in a printing press. But they are using an actual printing press. And it's a great, it's a great little subtle thing that Capra does that the Boy Rangers are using their, their, their gumption, their, their, their chutzpah. To uh, to print their up boy these rangerness. their boy rangerness, <laughs> they're like they're printing it up themselves by hand, and the machine is printing it up by like these great big you know news reels and, mm-hmm. and all of this. They're just they're uh, they're they're more they're more mechanized. It's a nice it's a nice little imagery, a, a counterpoint. But uh, I did uh, I was also uh, I completely forgot that some kids get run over in this movie. <laughs> that was that. there was I was like oh Jesus this is. This is this is real, like, uh, and then I and then I think of, oh yeah, what are the midterms going to be like with bad things happen? Like, I think I think some people are going to uh, die. And just today, some uh, some bomb, uh, some suspicious packages were sent to people who are not actually running for office, but definitely lean left for reasons. So you know, hey, whatever. But uh, we have to talk about the filibuster. How does it make you feel even now? 80 years later. It's still inspirational. It's inspirational, and I've said it before, it makes me swoon. It makes me want to be a better person. It makes me wish senators were better people, and it makes me in love with Jimmy Stewart. Because it can't not. It cannot, you can't watch, a woman cannot watch that movie and not just be in love with him. Yeah, that's, that's fair. It's, I am down on America a lot. I really am. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough time for me. I just feel like the country's spinning out of control. And there are people who are just act, who are actively rooting against it. Uh, and I watch this. And I think, yes, this is, this is, what, this is what we need. You, just, you don't have to watch the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie is fine. You just watch this scene. And you think there have to be people who saw this. There have to be politicians who saw this movie and went, you know what? I want to, I want to go into politics for this film. I, it's so, it's, it's inspirational. And yes, it's inspirational in that Capra way that only, only Capra can walk that fine line between, all right, you're, you're pushing it over the edge and this is not, and you're, you're politicizing. He threads the he threads the needle, just so that he doesn't always... get too saccharine. No, he doesn't, and, and he and... really does. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Sorry, you go, you go. The thing that Frank Harper does well, and he did it again in It's a Wonderful Life, which a lot of people write off, like my sister, for just being schmaltzy. It's just oh, schmaltzy, you know, all about feelings and all that stuff. However. Some of us who have seen the movies more than once, he does yeah. such a great job of bringing these strong characters to the absolute brink of despair. Oh yeah, yeah. His, and he, there's a lot dark, of darkness. Dark and yet, when people talk about Frank Capra, they're like, "Oh, Frank Capra movies. They're so cheesy and saccharine and sentimental." It's like, no, 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 no. Watch it again. Yeah, yeah. It, it, he can get away with being quote unquote so cheesy because. He is very serious. This remember, this is Frank Capra. This is he is he is an immigrant coming making films in America and this is uh, like in America and about America and this is 
a movie about America. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The guy's it. name is Jefferson Smith. I yeah, mean, oh, like, come on. His name should be like Apple Pie, Apple Pie. Yeah, Apple, I mean, Apple Pie on. Washington or something. Yeah, just, I mean, like. <laughs> and, and, this is, and this is what he's saying about America. This is his, this is his, his commentary. This is his, uh, it's an indictment of America, but it's also uh, a love story to America about America, about the American ideals that we, we hold true in this country. And it, it can be both at the same time with neither taking away from the other. And in fact, both sort of helping you have these, you know, corrupt, uh, jaded, uh, politicians and this this young naive and optimistic guy who infiltrates their ranks and stirs the pot a little bit and it's so it's so wonderful it's a belief that one man with good intentions can really change things for the better or at least or if he doesn't change things he tries to the very bitter end about uh to, to do so. And I think that's what Capra wants to believe that we are. And I think we all do want to believe that's what we are, even if sometimes it doesn't really and go that way. It made it, it, it made me really sad. The thing that made me the saddest is that, you know, when they were talking about Claude Rains, like taking payment and basically being persuaded by kind of a lobby, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? And everyone was like, that's such a scandal. Like, oh, you don't want that to get out. And that nowadays, it's so not a scandal. It's so like, of course they take bribes. Right. Of like, course they get lobbied. Like, of course corporations run our country. Like, our Supreme Court said, you know, corporations are people. And, and that we've all accepted it. And it's so depressing. It's so depressing. Right. That we know it, that we experience it and that we accept it is just man there it's rough shall come a reckoning indeed. uh question i hope okay question you're on the senate floor you're filibustering you have exhausted both the constitution of the united states and the declaration of independence what do you read what do you just because you, you have to keep talking what do you read <laughs> i start quoting movies <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, or if I could, I'd I'd read Gone with the Wind because there that's you go. I was I was wondering like she's gonna. Just, like, I would. I feel like that's a very long book to just start. And then start I would it. do. And then I would do the Thornbirds, which is my other. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. The Thornbirds, out of all of the books that I've read, is like my favorite book with Gone with the Wind. They're both long, meaty sagas. Very nice. Very nice. I read them kind of dramatically because I've read them. I read them both once a year, so I really know it. And I could really. I think I could do it rather well. Okay, all right. Uh, I would go Lord of the Rings myself. Shocking. Uh, you know, uh, and then uh, if there's still time, I'd, I'd probably get into. Would the you Sil start with the Hobbit? No, no. It'd be Lord of the Rings. I'd probably do the Silmarillion. I uh, no. It'd be Lord of the Rings, then the Hobbit for a little, a little, a little, little breather. The appendices, the appendices, Silmarillion, and then just start getting into all the weirder stuff. Or if I'm feeling, uh, you know, feeling feisty, I'd re I'd print up a lot of my movie reviews, which I still have from my uh, my days uh, at Same Night Movie Review, and just start reading those, <laughs> so you can hear my thoughts on films from roughly 2006 to 2013, thereabouts. It was a different time, strange era. I'd do that, uh, <laughs> and probably eventually just pass out, like 
uh, like Jefferson Smith did. Um, what happens to Smith after the end? What do you What do you think happens? All right, because you know what what happens. Miss Smith passes out. Payne confesses everything. What happens after this? My opinion is that he becomes a big hero and is like elected to the Senate and is probably still serving today if he hasn't died because there are still some fossils in the Senate. Orrin Hatch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you think he loses his hope? Well, in my world, in the world of Frank Capra, he inspires everybody to really do their best, and so he changes the Senate. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would, I would hope. He's more of like a John Glenn. Oh, yeah, he's totally John Glenn, R.I.P. Because first American space, what up? When when John Glenn died, and I always do the stupid thing. I read the articles and then I read the comments. John Glenn is like the only person who died in the past 10 years who every single comment was like, what a great man. Every comment, it didn't matter. Super liberal, super conservative, whatever part of the country. We all as Americans have agreed that John Glenn was just a great man, a hero and a great American. So that is how I see Mr. Smith. Yeah, I like I, I, I like that idea. I also like that idea of James Stewart going into space. That's cool. That's really cool. He's too tall for the. He's too tall for the Apollo program. There's but, nothing you know, wrong with being tall. It, if you want to be an astronaut, uh, it was actually back in the day. I, really? Yeah, I, I could not have been an astronaut uh, during the Apollo missions. Way too tall. I think you got to be six feet or under. <sighs> it's fine. Hmm. You probably never had that dream anyway, though, going into space. Probably not. No, he was too. Really? That kind of actually surprises oh, 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 me. Oh, 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 me? Oh, God. All yeah. The time. Oh, God. I want When I, you were I, a kid, I oh, bet. Oh, God. I totally want to be in space. Sorry. I thought we were talking about I thought we were still talking about No, that. I was being he sarcastic. Was totally, I totally want to be I totally want to go in space. Uh, Smith's monologue, his filibuster gets a lot, but there is a monologue from Saunders that is, I think, even better. It's tighter. It's not talked about it much because it's the one that gets Smith out of his funk to, to go up and do that. And she says the line, uh, I think uh, it's, uh, it's all the good that ever came into this world came from fools with faith like that. She's talking about, uh, you know, t- talking about, you know, Lincoln and it's all of the, all of the great men who, who dared greatly. And I honestly, I, I heard that I paused the movie and, and just wrote a note saying, get that tattooed on back. Um, Cause it's, <laughs> It's the kind of thing I want to tell my daughter. It's it's the kind of thing I want to tell all the kids out there that it's the yes, it's a foolish dream, but whatever that dream is, maybe it's foolish. Approach it with all you have and see what happens. And God and God help you. I hope it's for the greater good. But dream and try and and try your best and keep fighting. And I, I asked earlier what happened after the end of the movie, and yes, it would be, it'd be great, but the film ends at the perfect moment because it doesn't matter what happens at the end of the movie. It, it's like the ending of Rocky. Rocky's a great ending. The fight is over, Rocky loses, and then he you know, says, you know, 
but he went the distance. Yeah, he it's about it's about going the distance. And Mr. Smith, although not in a, an official boxing match, went all 12 rounds of this heavyweight fight against not one man, but the entire system. And that's what's more important. It's about going it's about going the distance, it's about it there is there compromise is an essential human value it's an essential political value you can't just you know stomp your feet in and whine and complain and call compromise just give me everything i want like a lot of politicians do these days <laughs> get them it's it's important but when you go the inspiration of mr smith is that he you know he 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 under he, there's there's compromise there's compromise <laughs> But then they're selling out, and Mr. Smith, he doesn't want to sell out. He you know, Thomas, you know, Payne says that you know I'm like I'm compromised. I just like I had to make the political move so I can do 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 the most the most good, and that's and that's fine. But it's not really compromise. It's it's him like being bought by this terrible person, Jim Taylor. And Mr. Smith is he's not, he's all for he's all for rational debate. He's not for blatant lies, slander. And being bought, he mm-hmm. is, and so when he is, and he's railing, he's filibustering. He is, I, you gotta, you gotta applaud him. You gotta applaud him because n- nobody presented a an alternate path that was that was like okay. Everybody walks away a little unhappy. There was all like, no, you're gonna just be bought, sold, and destroyed. It's like nobody, nobody, nobody needs that. Nobody wants that. We don't want to. We don't want. We don't want to teach that. We want to teach Jefferson Smith. Standing up to the man, and and he sure does, and I love it. Oh, I love it so much. I love it so much. Diz and Clarissa. We have Diz, Thomas Mitchell. Oh, Great I love role. Thomas Mitchell. Yeah, we, we love Thomas Mitchell. Uh, what what do you make of um? He's the he's he's the journalist. He's the journalist who's in a relationship with Saunders. Uh, how is he in this movie? I just love him. You love him? I do. I think he's funny. I think he's charming. He he's just—I I, I wish I could articulate it better, but he's just such a likable guy, and he's a, and he's very good with Saunders because usually she's so hard in the movie that he softens her up and like makes her funny, and yeah. we see he brings out a different side of her that we don't see until the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, he's he makes her have a sense of humor. Exactly, and that's. And that's great for the character, and it, he he brings out a side that you know it's there, but he's sort of on the same wavelength. He's you know she's mm-hmm. a DC hack who's cynical. He's a DC journalist who's very cynical, and they in in, in that cynicism, like we all like, just look at your Facebook feed. It's you. It's you just like ragging with your friends on whatever bullshit, whatever side of the political spectrum. Yeah. Uh, whatever the whatever the opposite side is doing, you're like, oh, fuck these guys. These guys are the worst, right? And you can like you, you they have a shorthand. They understand one another. It's lovely. I uh, I, I and I like how that is the romantic relationship that mm-hmm. is seen in the movie, and they don't just try to force Jimmy Stewart and Gene Arthur together. However much chemistry they have, I do like how it is the uh, senator and the. And the lady who actually knows how the thing is done. Uh, yep. that's uh, it's a far better relationship and makes for a better movie because we could focus on the 
the the journey that both of them take without having to muddy the water with all the muddy the waters with all this romantic stuff. The will they won't they they like maybe they will later on, but who cares? It's not that's not important. That's not what's right important now. Would you send your son to this boys range this boy ranger camp? Sure. Yeah, it sounds fun. Even if he has to send. William's him to not really. A, yeah, William's. Not really a city kid, though. You know what I mean? I mean, it's hard because it's supposed to be for city boys. I mean, my in-laws live on, like, several acres of land. He gets to ride his little four-wheeler. He's been for rides on tractors. He goes yeah. out boats and does all that stuff. So, I, I mean, like, yeah, I'd send him, but it's not not as foreign to him yeah. as – whereas my niece last summer, like, went to, like, farm camp and learned how to do stuff like that. And I thought, wow, I teach kids who – actually do those things every day and they don't pay a lot of money to go yeah it's like you have to pay money to have a, a backcountry experience to, to get the experience because we've got a, plenty of that yeah. he gets he <laughs> my son gets a nice blend of that he gets the city when he comes up north when we all go up north to see my family he gets the country when he's with my in-laws so it's pretty sweet there you go there you go that's 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 pretty nice, that's pretty nice. i would uh i'd send my daughter there i'm sure i'm sure by now it'd be co-ed Sounds fun. I'll send, her, I'll send her to camp. I, I got I know somebody with a farm upstate. An actual farm, not like a dog. And you have the aunt who has the uh, sheep dog. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. All right. We said we asked why Harry Carey was nominated. Uh, Harry Carey played the president of the Senate. Whatever de facto the Senate. And <laughs> he's great at it because he's he's all he's he seems to be on Mr. Smith's side, but. Oh, totally. Yeah, which which is lovely and kind of maybe not not accurate, but whatever. I. But he's quiet about it. He's yeah. all his whole performance is facial expressions. Yeah. But there's that there's that moment, and I've seen the scene a hundred times. You just watch it. People link to it and whatnot. Of all right, it's Mr. Smith and this other guy. They both basically talked at the same time. And it's up to the it's up to Harry Carey to determine who's going to get the floor, and that really sets the stage. And I know what's going to happen. I know Mr. Smith is going to win this challenge, but just the way Capra and Harry Carey play this scene, it's like it's a little, it's a short little on edge tense mm-hmm. moment. Oh, it's so brilliant! I and and then we finally says, and the floor goes to. You're waiting. You're waiting. You're waiting, Mr. Smith. And you go. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's on now, son. It's fucking on. We're doing this. It's, it's great. It's, it's lovely. I, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, let's start wrapping this up. It's a, it's a wonderful movie. Oh, I, I did. It's a, it's a wonderful, it's a, did it it's deserve, a great film with a capital G. It's a great, it's a great film with capital G. I think it's an, a, an important film with a capital I, especially in these, in these days. Uh, I think, I think, given our look back on history, Gone with the Wind may be like a little problematic, you know. Yeah, just, just a just a wee bit, a lot, but it's still epic bravura filmmaking that you, you can is like timeless. Well, but this, this but this has this has a timeless yeah. to it. We'll talk about more of that with Gone with the Wind because I've got opinions. Oh, really? I never noticed you, you, and your opinions and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, so I, the question we ask is: Did Miss Smith goes to Washington deserve 
best pitcher that year? No, because Gone with the Wind is the greatest movie of all time. But I agree with you. It's a great film. It is an important film. It is a film that should still be watched. It's still a thousand percent applicable today. I do give Jimmy Stewart best actor or Clark Gable. Who's already won a bunch, but yeah. Still. Who at that point had already won, so give it to give it to Jimmy Stewart. So yeah, then, so then, so then that opens him up. That that means he won't win for Philadelphia story, which he's great in, but yeah. did not. I don't think he was even the lead actor in that movie. So, okay, if anyone was going to win for that, it should have been Cary Grant. But that's another story for another podcast for another day. Yes, yes, indeed. It is the Academy Award for Best Picture of the Year, and with that in mind, of course, Gone with the Wind is going to win Best Picture. Is no. No doubt. Critically well received. Box office phenomenal. Technically, the technical stuff that they did. Uh, outstanding. Everything. Everything tries to be gone with the wind. Nothing ever succeeds in being gone with the wind. Wow. It's one. It's one of a kind. It's so for nineteen thirty nine. Yes, it's winning. But uh, you know, we are. We look back on the on the movies and go, is it a best picture for all time? And in a lot of regards, yes, gone with the wind is definitely a best picture for all time. But in times like these, I don't want Gone with the Wind. I don't want to hear about some southern tart who complains for four hours. <laughs> yeah, and, and is awful to everybody. I need... Mr. Smith goes to Washington. We need... We, there, there, are time, there are times you need Gone with the Wind. And there are times you need Mr. Smith. This is one of those times you need Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Absolutely. Just... And uh, you know, yes, it unfortunately came out the same year. That's just kind of how the dice rolls. I'm sorry, but because you also have to put it up against the Wizard of Oz, which is also is really the Wizard good. of Oz. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, Judy Garland, come on, everybody. Like, right, our our state museum right now is doing a whole Wizard of Oz thing. They do it every single year. I mean, that movie is still very effective. You're not even in Kansas. See, that's how that's how big that's how big Wizard of Oz is. So, no, but at the same time, yes, we can have both. I just really want to watch this more because also I don't have four hours to spend all the time to watch Gone with the Wind. And even even if I did, I think I might watch something else. Sorry, I just kind of want to watch this. It's a lot of fun. I know you're you're. Like you're just looking at me, like why would you want to watch Gone with the Wind? It's amazing. Like, you lost me at four hours of a Southern tart complaining. So I don't know. I don't know if you can even exist in my reality anymore. Oh, wow, okay. Because so. that's like that's thrown down a pretty big ball. Right <laughs> well, 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 that gauntlet will be picked up at a later time here on Oscar Watch. Thank you so much for listening to us, Wax America, here on today's episode. If you like what you hear, and if you have a request for what you'd like us to review in December, write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to watching those movies and reviewing them. I love it. Find us on social media at oscarwatchpod. Next week, another in honor of film, we in honor of the 100th anniversary 
of the end of hostilities in World War One, we will be looking at the 1930 best picture, All Quiet on the Western Front, based on my looking forward to viewing. Never seen it. This will be yes. very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Uh, Amy Thompson, where can folks find you? A Thompson Eleven on Twitter or on our Facebook page. Yay! Thanks for thanks for where we have weekly trivia now. Thank you, Apparently. Mike, for putting on weekly trivia. To get you on the show, son. We, we should. should. All right. And until next time, we'll see you on the red carpet. Terrorists, you